from the Spacebird Media Studios. It's Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. Roxanne and Ace Unlimited, welcome back to another great episode. This one, it's just full of good stuff. And the number one good thing is you, Ace McKay. Oh, well, I'm great. I don't know that I would say I'm the number one thing, but I'll take that. Uh, in Any compliment's <laughs> a good one. Of course, we want to say thanks to My Brother's Cup and Birmingham Mortgage Group as uh, we kick into the trends of the week. I know last week we wrapped up the show talking about the new documentary on We Are the World. And Lana Ritchie since has been on like a ton of interviews. Of course, the new season, American Idol, just, you know, relaunched. So he's back in the highlight again. But in that, he admitted that the one regret he had was that he didn't get Madonna in the group for the recording session. Well, and it was Jimmy Kimball who was giving him a really hard time because he was justifying it by saying, well, you know, this voice was just going to be really more recognizable than hers. And Jimmy Kimmel was like, it's Madonna. Get right. over your happy self. And he finally admitted it was a mistake. And what's funny is it never occurred to me while watching the documentary, which, by the way, if you haven't, you've got, you've Very got good. to. It's on Netflix. Just go see it. Yeah. We are the world, the whole story behind it. It, it, I didn't have a moment where I went, where's Madonna? I did want to see Prince, and Prince was a no-show, and that's unfortunate. Prince had, I'm a big Prince fan. Look mm -hmm. at the purple hair. It's purple, <laughs> right. Prince purple. But, you know, and I was going to be mad at Prince, but Prince has, you know, problems with, he's an introvert, and unless he's singing, and all that many people, it just traumatized him. He just yeah. couldn't do it. Well, and I mean, he wanted to come in and play guitar solo, not to ruin watching it, but that way when there's like, well, no, there's, this is singing where no, no one's really, there's no really solos of any kind. So he was just like, no, I'm out. But I will say this. I love that. And we talked about this a little bit last week. Huey Lewis was like, oh gosh, I have to sing Prince's part. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he, he wedged between Michael and Cindy Lauper. I mean, talk about intimidation. You know, it's like I, I'm I'm just a rock singer. I, I don't know what I'm doing here. So, um, so definitely worthy of that. Uh, one of the things trending this week. I don't know if you saw this, but you know how like we feel like we're like ten and twelve dollar to death with subscription after subscription, right? Now mm -hmm. the thing is, companies are playing. This is a new statistic. They are playing to our lack of patience, and now. Offering packages, so like if it's airports or if it's, you know, you're calling for customer service for, you know, this or that, that you can pay a certain monthly fee to go past all of the prompts or to go past all of the lines because they're banking on the fact that we're all impatient people. Well, it's a brilliant move. I mean, look at what TSA is doing. You can pre-board. Well, that was going to be $88 for me not to have to go through, I guess, taking my shoes off. Yeah. But it is feeding that thing of we've got to get there faster and we don't want it. We don't want to see the commercial. We don't want to have to sit. And we, we're just so impatient. Yeah. And in a way, I think that's kind of sad. And it's so funny because it, it leads into a scripture about being still yeah. and know that I'm God. And that's Psalm 4610, as most of you probably already know. 
And there's been a lot of study on this verse. What does it mean? Does it really mean be still? Well, God was addressing Israel and he's not telling them to be still or to rest. It was written during a time of war Mm -hmm. and he was telling them, and this is key, to stop fighting and realize who I am. And it's a relief, really. Because we fight and we fight and we strive. Like you were saying, Ace, we get so impatient. We can't, we'll pay more just to not be irritated. All right. And we don't like God. God is our friend. He's our advocate. He is for us and not against us. Yeah. Well, and I was talking with a friend earlier today. The question came up of, you know, like just jokingly, hey, if you could change the world, what would you do? You know, and it's like, you know, I, I would hope and pray for inner peace so that, all the egos and all the impatienceness and all of the fighting would stop. Because again, as much as you can read, be still annoying that I am God, that could sound like he's like, look at me. Well, it's not a like egotistical look at me. It's to get us into the habit to be still. Like we feel guilty if we have a Sunday where we just sit in the lounger and nap or watch the game or whatever, that there's no guilt. Like be still. Like stop moving and allow yourself <laughs> to just chill for a minute. So I, I love that he's trying to train us into that. You know, I, I mean, my godfather used to say this to me all the time. Will you just chill? You know, <laughs> he was much more abrasive than I think God is saying in this verse. But in that we, we have to, we have to just relax and know that God has got whatever it is that we're facing. Amen. And while we're on the topic of what we're facing, is your life a hot mess? Mm. You know, I heard somebody say that and I was like, um, probably, but I'm not really sure what hot mess means. Well, a hot mess is living in a whirlwind. See how this is all tying together? It's what you were talking about, Ace. It's when everything feels crazy. We're juggling school and friendships and dealing with emotions. We're all over the place. It's a bit crazy. And we're like that. You know, little hamster in the wheel going 90 miles an hour. That's when you know your life is a hot mess. And it includes things like feeding into drama, spending money faster than you make it. Oh, that was me, 20 something. I'll use the credit card. I'll pay for it later, like decade later. You'll burn all your bridges. Who hasn't done that? You look for the easy way out. All these things. And I was like, okay, there's a list. There's a list of 13 things that indicate your life is a hot mess. Well, and I think I can say this affectionately (laughs) without anyone judging. All our lives are a hot mess. (laughs) It it just shows a reason why we need Jesus. But I Uh, I will say, I even find myself doing this. People go, hey, how's it going? And I'll go, I'm busy. And I realize when I mm -hmm. say that, people go, oh, I'm sorry. And I have to go, no, 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 it's a good kind of busy. Like I'm doing the things I'm love that I love. I'm hanging with the people that I, you know, want to hang out with. I'm, you know, trying to make the most of every minute with kids and, you know, and whatnot. But it's in that God, where do you want me to put my eggs in the basket for the day? You know, and through this Lenten season, he's been like, I want you to be kind. I want you to just because everybody's going through their own stripping away and fasting of this or that. And I don't mean like a food and, you know, sweets and stuff. I mean, but there's behaviors that we need to let go of and pick up so that we can be better through the 40 days, right? That's the whole point. We talked about this last week, but it bears repeating because we're still in it. And and really we're only one week in. So it's like, how's your Lent? (laughs) And so that's, that's where we can check in and go, 
yeah, I, I am busy or there is a lot going on, but it, every season changes. And, and as Tom Hanks, I've heard him say this, this too shall pass. And that oh. applies to the good, the bad and the ugly of our lives. That is so true. They say, take one of those things that makes your life feel frenetic and work on it. Take, mm -hmm. take an action step, take another action step, and then go to the next thing on the list. I already feel better thinking about, okay, my life's a hot mess. I can take an action step on one of the things that's, that might be bothering me, like maybe picking up the phone and calling Teren Newell and saying, Roxanne and Ace love you. They rave about you. What mm -hmm. is it about you, mortgage guy, that makes you different? Yeah, well, and I love the fact that he's willing to do whatever it takes because he's done the homework before you ever call him. So just know when you tell him your situation, he's seen it all before. And he's like, oh, yeah, we've got this program and this program. And, you know, we just we're, we're nervous of the numbers, kind of like getting your report card. You know, you're <laughs> like, oh, I'm not going to qualify for a house. Oh, no, you haven't talked to Birmingham Mortgage Group. And now being able to take care of your mortgage in both Alabama and Florida, he'll take great care of you. So set up your appointment. Call him today at 205-259-1656. You can go to behemmortgage.com and tell him you heard about it on Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. There's a new book called Big Friendship. And it talks about lingering in our friendships. And I think as we become adults, especially adults with children of any age, really, it's tougher yeah. to commit to friendships and make sure that they're nurtured. And one of the things that we need to do is make regular appointments with our friends. You know, I'm blessed because I consider you one of my very closest. And we get this carved out guaranteed time where I get to see that beautiful face and hear all that talent and it makes me happy but it's a regular appointment mm -hmm. well i mean that was what we took a year off and was like but we still Ugh. talked every week and it was like hey why aren't we just doing this for no, real you weren't, no you weren't talking about how crazy <laughs> I did not. I saw you downtown with your beautiful wife, Tawny, walking, and it was like I almost threw myself out of a moving car. The door was open. Wayne didn't even have time to pull over. And I fall out of the car and run towards you. And I mean, I'm bawling. What and it I must have looked like to people who just walked by. Like, like, what's okay, happening over and there? To our poor spouses. But I just realized our relationship is beyond important to me and God's used it. And I was yeah. stopping that. Yeah. So, yay. It's all good. <laughs> but, but, but you bring up a valid point because I think there are, the, especially the older we get, there are those people, like I've got like my circle of people that I've had in my life, you know, most of it. And then even like this last weekend was able to go back to my college where we had homecoming and got to see people I hadn't seen in Aww. 20, 30 years, you know, and Aww. yes, I am that old, but Here's what was great about it. Just like, I mean, we just picked up conversations like we just had class yesterday. Like it was Aww. like no big deal. And I love those kinds of people in our lives because, again, I believe that's a spirit connection. And God is putting those people in front of you. And and and, and whether you follow each other on socials or you really know every detail that over the last 30 years or not, you can have that soul-to-soul -soul connection like we have that we just— no, like it's just there. I, I don't even know. Yeah. And you know who those friends are that I'm talking about yes. for who's in your life and you want to make the most of them. 
Absolutely. Well, this story reminded me so much of you, Ace, because it was something you talked about doing. When I first met you, I don't know if you remember, but a couple has put together a nightclub in Los Angeles. And they have regular performers. They worship, they dance, they have a ball. And they said God told them to do it. And it's called the Saved Social Club in LA. And this couple just put all their money, their lives on the line to do this nightclub. And it just reminded me of when you used to tell me, you know, I think the coolest thing would be to go in and have maybe a beer and a, or a glass of wine, not around somebody who has a history of alcohol problems, Sure, but to just be chillaxed and to go into places where people need Jesus. And yeah. sometimes that includes a bar. Well, as, as much as, I hate to say it. It is true. There are negative tones that come when you mention a particular religion of any kind, really anybody, any religious Mm -hmm. name now has some kind of negative because it's attached to either bad stuff in the press or someone, you know, or you maybe grew up in that denomination and it burns you somehow. Or it's a matter of the fact that we just all connect to God differently. And sometimes you need a, you know, to find Jesus. (laughs) And sometimes you need a Chris Tomlin kind of mm-hmm. vibe, right? Or a hymns kind of vibe. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and everybody connects differently. And that's okay. Because the beautiful thing, when we get to heaven, I think we might be surprised that it might not feel a little more nightclubbish. <laughs> you know? I'm saying. I love I have that. No well, way of knowing. Hopefully we can have a cup of the Roxanne blend of coffee because mm. it is heavenly. It tastes so good. It smells so good. Now in the little pods, so you can, it's super convenient. So that yep. excuse has been taken away. They've kept it inexpensive and it sends missionaries around the world, you know, teams of doctors and, and teams of people to just proclaim the gospel of Jesus. It's the neatest thing. Yeah, it's great. And of course, uh, anytime you either want to get the big bag or you want to just get the sampler, I promise you, you'll lean yourself to the Roxanne blend on purpose because it does. It's 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 like a candle in a cup. I'm just going to say. <laughs> uh, so find out more at mybrotherscup.com or go to roxanneandace.com to order yours today. Well, I should know this about you, but I do not know if you like Pop-Tarts. Oh, Yeah. Like it's it like I would eat them every day, all day, if my body would let me. Yes. Why didn't I know this? Well, this story came up because Pop-Tarts are 60 and the little family that first tasted them doesn't know why they were chosen because their parents have passed away now, but they figured their mother was thrifty. They had six kids. And so they figured their mother just said, hey, let us taste them. And they fell in love with them. And now Jerry Seinfeld's doing a movie about Pop-Tarts. <laughs> and it's kind of exploded. But I thought, I know my friend. I know so much about my friend. Yeah. But I don't my, know if he likes Pop-Tarts. My sweet tooth absolutely loves a good cherry <laughs> Pop-Tart. But I like the chocolate fudge ones, too. And what's great is like they're it's so and it may be like this in most houses. Everybody's so definitive on the flavors they like. I can buy the multiple boxes when there's like a BOGO and everybody knows whose box is whose. And nobody oh, touches cool. the other one because they're like, no, the other growth. And it's like, <laughs> well, you're their growth. You're their growth. You know, so I know that I can I can have mine and nobody because I'm not going to touch the, you know, the s'mores and the cinnamon ones. Oh, the brown the sugar cinnamon is my favorite. That's your favorite? Yeah. Yeah. I'm waiting for the day that they mesh the chocolate and the cherry. Why do we not have a chocolate covered cherry pop tart? Hello, can that we please make happen. this happen? 
But the Doritos thing where it has to be 85 different flavors to the point where you're like, can I just have a regular <laughs> chip? I don't want them to do that either. So, <laughs> Well, they have experimented with like ones for like limited edition. Like they did the pretzel ones for a while, which I tried them. They were okay, but the consistently consistency is different or weird. It just didn't feel like a Pop-Tart to me. So I, I don't know. And and even like people say, oh no, I prefer a toaster strudel. Okay, I like the strudels too, but it's a different like. That's not a pop tart. No, it's not. Yeah. yeah, and I can't eat a strudel in the car because it's like you know <laughs> jelly dripping all down my shirt. <laughs> Never a good thing. I'm mm-hmm. so excited about our guest. His next book is called "Visiting Heaven: A Tragic Plane Crash." He's going to tell us about that led to his experience and he suffered loss through that and it wasn't something easy for him to share but he's put it together in a book and we are so excited to welcome to the show captain dale black hi there hello there you two it's a great uh, honor to be with both of you well captain i just start from the beginning i mean what happened what what caused the the plane crash and then tell us from there where it went we were rolling down the runway, runway 15 at the Hollywood Burbank Airport in Southern California. And uh, I had been in the right seat prior to takeoff. But on the takeoff roll, just before that, I was asked to shift seats. So I did. And I got into the temporary third seat. There were three pilots in a 10-passenger commuter aircraft. We fortunately had no passengers other than the three pilots, no one would have survived if we had. Right. And we took off rolling down the runway, got airborne. Everything seemed normal. Uh, we're, you know, I was a licensed pilot. I could fly this airplane, but uh, there were two other guys more experienced than I in front because I was only 19. OK, mm-hmm. but my dream was always to become an airline pilot. And, uh, you know, live the life of travel and adventure. And that was good money back in those days, too. So I had lots of uh, anticipation of an adventuresome lifestyle. But we got about 100 feet off the ground. I noticed some loud noise in the cockpit, uh, a whining of two engines completely out of sync, which implied but it's only the word implied i'm using now it implied that there might be an engine failure because of the disharmony disharmonics between the engines and i noticed the guy in the right seat my flight instructor my friend chuck burns he pointed and uh yelled really in the cockpit it's very seldom you ever hear that in a cockpit of a professional uh environment And he pointed and he said, let's land in that clear area over there. And I looked out and I saw what looked like a golf course or green grass. And I thought, okay, we'll be all right. But I know that will be the headlines of tomorrow's newspapers. Because in those days, any airplane crash was the headlines. And this was right in Hollywood. So uh, I knew that we would be the headlines at the last second. I watched my flight instructor and and good friend and mentor grab the flight controls. I'm going to put my hands up here so you can see them and just in case you need to. And he turned the flight controls all the way left, pulled all the way back against his chest. And I was looking at his hands. Yeah. I realized, 
oh my gosh, this is the end. And the next thing I noticed was, I don't know how much time went by, but I'm basically floating above an airplane crash site. And I'm about 15 feet above the ground. And I'm looking down at the first pilot and I really don't for a moment remember who I was or what happened. I just looked down and saw a pilot who was clearly dead. There was no no choice. He was dead. Mm -hmm. uh, his head had been removed in the accident. The next pilot, I looked down and, oh my gosh, that's my flight instructor. That's Chuck. And then I began to realize I had been in an airplane crash. Well, of course. Then I began to realize this is about 20 seconds after impact. And then I looked down at the third pilot and it was me. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, there's my shoes. We were flying at 135 miles an hour and we impacted into a building uh, seven stories tall. We hit the 75 foot mark at that speed and it just exploded the airplane, not with a fireball, but just a solid impact at a, at 135 miles an hour. The airplane broke into a, a couple of thousand pieces and the three pilots, me included, slammed into this immovable object. Strangely, it was an object called a mausoleum in the middle of a cemetery erected in memory of dead pilots. Wow. Pilots who'd given their lives to aviation. Amelia Earhart is in, in, in uh memorialized there. The, the Wright Brothers mechanic memorialized there. Billy Mitchell, a name that I know and a lot of pilots would know, the mm -hmm. father of the U.S. Air Force memorialized there. And uh, we crashed right into this called Portal of the Folded Wings. And uh, I'm right at the base of this mausoleum looking down and I see, I see my body. And I go, oh my gosh. I died so young. Oh, my word. And then all of a sudden, the sadness was gone. And I realized, oh, I am a spirit. And, and, and I have a soul. And I used to live in that body. I never learned this. I don't know where I learned it, but I knew it somehow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right here, as I'm hovering over the crash site. So we've got to hear about going to heaven. Yeah, I I, uh, I end up looking at my body. We go into the emergency room. Uh, I had I, I I will say this now. I found this out later. I had broken both legs uh, very badly, both knees, uh, both ankles. Uh, my left one was completely destroyed. There's no way to ever walk again. My back was uh, broken in multiple places. The left ball and socket joint of my shoulder had exploded inside of the joint and it sent bone through my chest, my back, my neck. Uh, that's just below my shoulders. And my right hand, my my right arm was broken. I uh, had several cuts on my face with uh, debris from the airplane. I'm kind of understating that. I was a mess. My face was really a mess. I had a cut that went down through my forehead, my right eye cut my right eye uh, 
almost in two pieces. It was just sliced with some piece of debris. Of course, I would never see again. And I never denounced Jesus. I never denounced God. I always wanted to be a better person and follow after him. But oh my gosh, you guys, I was so self-centered and so um, stuck on self and my goals and my wishes. And with all of that in mind, I start moving backwards out of the uh, emergency I'm sorry, out of the emergency room, and uh, I can't control it. I can't steer it. I start moving backwards and now down through the hallway. And within about five or six seconds, uh, I'm now departing the hospital and the city of Burbank. And the next thing I see is a bright light, way brighter than the sun, but it didn't hurt to look at it. It was small and far away, but I felt like I was traveling. Back in this time when this happened, there weren't movies out like Star Trek. You guys grew up with that. You right. started seeing uh, you started seeing stars going by at warp speed. I'd never seen that, never heard of it. But that's what I saw. And I have thought at the time that those were planets, or not really planets, but uh, but suns or stars. Mm -hmm. And I've become to uh, realize that those really were angelic beings coming from the city of gold, from heaven. And I was passing them as they were going this way, I'm going this way, uh, uh, protected and guided by two angelic beings right behind me, left and right of me. And uh, they were clearly delighted to be directing my travels and to make a long story short, because I know you guys are short on time, but I came into this city of gold, this clearly the throne, well, not the throne, but the uh, the home of heaven. I would go to, go to the throne later, but the home of heaven, I knew it was heaven. No one had to say it. It was obvious. And the light that I saw wasn't a sun. It wasn't a star. It was God. Mm -hmm. It was a light. And right away, I recognized, again, how did I learn this? I don't know. I, I've never read it. I never knew anything about it. But inside of the light was life and love all together. It's like a triune substance coming that entered into my being, yeah. light and life, L-I-F-E, and love, all at one time. And that was all coming from the light, which traveled through the walls and through the the plants and through me. It didn't just stop at me, went right through me and then filled me with energy. And, and then I realized I'm hearing all this music. And I guess you're a musician, Ace, and you I know am. a lot about that. And, and I do not. But I was hearing music that just doesn't exist on earth. And mm -hmm. I began to appreciate music. And I also knew, wow, this place is holy. I never knew what that word meant. It's still hard to describe. But there was a holiness in heaven that is just hard to put into words. But there's no sin. Think about this. I mean, I'm not speaking down when I say that, yeah. but if we think about the fact that 
there's no jealousy, there's no envy, there's no hatred, there's no ambition, really. There's no, all of these traits that are present on earth every second we're here. Uh, it's just like, are you kidding? There's just holiness and love and life and light. There's no darkness. There's the, even the the leaves on the trees, they never die. The grass never dies. There's no death. There's no sickness. There's no sorrow. Wow. And I've, I've kept this secret for more than 40 years. I was, I was committed to God to never tell this story until he made it crystal clear. I didn't want to tell the story. I told my grandfather uh, after I... Remember, this was a few months after the crash, and my grandfather instructed me and said, are you sure you want to talk about this, Dale? Because I've known people that have had what they call a uh, after-death experience or uh, whatever. And, you know, uh, he said, they go around, they, they write a book, they make a living about it. I guess you could do that, but make sure... Uh, if you believe this is sacred, like you said it was, Dale, why don't you consider living your experience instead of writing about it? Live it and instead of talking about it. Yeah. And I, I prayed. I prayed and I said, well, that's pretty easy to do because airline pilots never talk about NDEs. We didn't even talk about uh, UFOs. We didn't talk about hardly anything except logic and science, things that you could, you know, uh, quantify uh, so that was easy for me to keep it quiet. But at after 40 years, um, I couldn't even sleep anymore until I agreed with God that I would tell the story. But I, I made it a deal with him. I said, I'll tell the story, God. Okay, I will do it. <clears throat> but only for my wife, my kids, grandkids. That's all. <laughs> well, I mean, I would think, you know, from 19 and 40 years has passed, I, I would say you've had plenty of time to live that life, to to show your faith and actions. So then when you tell that story, people go, that makes perfect sense. Well, that's nice of you to say. I appreciate you uh, noticing that. You were looking underneath the surface. Uh, but thank you very much. I That's what I always felt. I thought mm -hmm. Anybody that knows me knows that I'm beating with a different drum. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> and yet so many people never knew that I was that different, that changed. So uh, I've had a life of adventures, of faith. I just put my life on the line. I have watched God perform healing and answers to prayer. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, one of the most important things to God is faith is having faith, knowing that God, whatever he says, he means it, and he will do whatever he says. And it didn't take me long after this experience to recognize that God's word, is it, it's never going to die. The Bible mm -hmm. even says that heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. When I was in heaven, the 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 first few moments, I could tell that the Word of God was the structure that held not only heaven together, but it's holding earth together, and probably, I thought even then, probably the entire universe. I've had 50 years plus to think about that, and it's true. God's Word holds heaven together. Mm. It's true. 
Oh, well, your life did turn into that legacy that you talked about in serving God, you and your wife uh, going as missionaries to serve an Indian tribe, a primitive one, and you've launched mission teams all around the world for 40 years. It's it's how you would think someone who's been to heaven would live, really. But we, but the burning question to me is Jesus. Please tell us about Jesus. <laughs> well, <laughs> I. It's really hard to talk about Jesus. I'm glad to. I I did put it. <laughs> I did put it in the book Visiting Heaven. I I spoke about it there, and. Uh, it's just that I've learned through time, sadly, that they people want to know how tall he is, what color are his eyes, what color was was his hair, blah, blah, blah. They want to know about the physical characteristics of Jesus. But I have to tell you, those are minimal because there's so much light and so much brightness and so much love in Jesus. And, and people still want to know the superficial but how about this? How about this for a beginning? Yeah, I had a few seconds uh, in, in before him and looked at him. And in a few seconds, I recognized to begin with, I didn't care about his color of his eyes or his hair or how tall he was. Right. What I noticed was the majesty, hmm. the, the the authority. <laughs> Can you can you can you put two things together and try to rationalize or wrap your mind around authority and humility, authority and royalness and love, unconditional love? How do you tell that to anybody on earth? It, it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. in, the, in the book of Revelation, chapter one. There is some description that John gives, authorized by the angel, authorized by Jesus, uh, all uh, authored by God himself. But we see some characteristics of what Jesus looked like. And I would encourage anybody who's watching this to go and look at this. His, his face is brighter than the sun. His hair, like white like what like wool but not exactly like wool and because it the bible says as if and like and so these are metaphors but full of light full of love and he he i went to his feet i couldn't stand and my feet just buckled who could stand in front of almighty god who could do it nobody nobody there Wow. Well, when, when, <laughs> when a after death experience is real, hmm. what what comes from that is, I think, how could it be anything other than uh, a giant dose of humility? Because in reality, we're nothing compared to what. God has provided for us and what Jesus has done for us. Anybody that can stand boldly in front of the Lord Jesus, I question if that's really 
<laughs> a really inaccurate representation because uh, the angels fall prostrate before him. I fell at his feet. And uh, it's written in the book, but he leaned down and whispered in my ear one thing. And I heard one few words. And the next thing I knew, I'm hearing that. And I'm actually smelling his sweet breath, if you can believe that, which has changed my life. But the next thing I know, I'm hearing this glorious music fading away. And now I'm looking out of the eyes of a 19-year-old boy in a hospital in the emergency room. The word of God holds it all together. Jesus really is the son of God. He really was the Messiah 2,000 plus years ago. And he is coming again. In fact, I think he's coming relatively soon. Hmm. Amen. The book is called Visiting Heaven. Captain Dale Black has been our guest. Thank you for painting this picture. And I, I can't wait to smell the breath of Jesus myself. Now I'm, <laughs> that's going to be my thing. I'm like, <laughs> just say something. I just want to smell your breath. <laughs> well, I know that uh, before we go, we always like to check in on each other's vibe. So Roxanne, ladies first. Stephen Furtick's new book. Oh boy. Do the new. Listen, this guy he may be a better songwriter and musician than he is a preacher. He's, but he, he has a way. I love all of his books, yeah. but this one is wrecking me. He talks about when you're in a rut or a habit and a creative slump, a dead end, an addiction, a toxic relationship, whatever it is you're going through. He says, what you need to know is there is someone who understands your situation. And I'm speaking to somebody who's watching and listening right now yeah. isolation is big right now people feel like they have no friend we talked about friendships earlier they have no friends they have no one who cares family's not there listen what you need is someone who understands your situation and is with you in the middle of it mm. and he will help you carry it and that is god mm. Amen. That's so good. Well, as a, as a musician, uh, my vibe this week, and I don't know, this may have been around for a long time and I'm just finally getting around to finding them. But if you go to Apple music, there are backing tracks for any instrument that you are learning and you can play along. It gives you the chords and you can play along. And the thing I love about it is it's instrumentals in different keys, different tempos, different styles and genres. And so as a worship leader, I like being able to go in and just kind of getting the vibe as I'm learning to play bass or, you know, deepening my understanding of playing piano. Or even if I just want to jam out drum wise, like there are ones, you know, with no drums and I can just make up my own beat. Nobody's going to tell me I'm wrong. Like it's wow. a beautiful thing. So if you are a musician or you're trying to get better during the Lent season, I highly recommend it because it will challenge you, but it will also make you feel better. Like, okay, I can play this better than I thought I could. You What's know? it called? And how do it's you just get called, to it? Just backing tracks. Oh, you just okay. search backing tracks and it's like, like a whole catalog of every kind of whatever. And sometimes I'm like fumbling around or I'm like, you know, like, eh, I don't want to do that one. I'll go to the next one. I'm like, Ooh, I like this one, you know, but, but there's some <laughs> really great pieces to help us. And that's what I love about this day and age is that, you know, learning to play an instrument 
there should never be an age that you're like, ah, I'm too old to learn now. No, just what's the instrument you want to learn? What's the maybe an instrument that your church has been needing that you could learn? And then within a year, maybe six months, depending upon how quickly you pick it up, you could be serving in your church in that capacity or writing songs. I mean, come on now. I mean, no excuses. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Challenge, challenge gauntlet's been trying. But anyway, we want to say thanks to My Brother's Cup and, of course, Birmingham Mortgage Group for making Unlimited possible. Have a great rest of your weekend. We'll see you every Friday. Roxanne, I love you. Love you. You've been listening to Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. To make sure you don't miss future shows, you can subscribe anywhere you like to podcast and catch up on anything you've missed. Find out more at RoxanneAndAce.com. Roxanne and Ace Unlimited is a production of Spacebird Media.